Hello, and welcome to Out West, the official podcast of the Western Governors Association, a bipartisan organization representing the governors of the 22 westernmost states and territories. I'm Jim Ogsbury, Executive Director of WGA. This episode will take a closer look at the WGA 2021 Annual Report, which highlights the past year's policy work of Western governors on topics such as broadband connectivity, workforce development, COVID-19 response and recovery, cybersecurity, wildfires, and species management. Today, I'm talking with Lauren Danino, a senior policy advisor for WGA, and Troy Timmons, our director of federal relations and strategic initiatives. We'll be focusing on two central elements of the annual report, the Western Prosperity Roundtable and the Working Lands Roundtable. Lauren, I'd like to start with you. WGA launched the Western Prosperity Roundtable this year. Can you describe the roundtable and its purposes? Sure. So over the past few years, WGA's policy portfolio has been expanding on issues related to economic prosperity. There was the Western Governors Workforce Development Initiative, then we did Reimagining the Rural West, and over that period, the governors also adopted resolutions on access to health care, broadband deployment, and a few other topics that are all intertwined with opportunity, prosperity, and quality of life. We developed the roundtable to continue advancing governors' policies on those issues, while also creating a forum where they can be considered holistically. Through the roundtable, governors will be bringing together stakeholders, experts, and policymakers, getting them out of their silos, and examining those challenges through the lens of local communities. The Western Prosperity Roundtable was launched at an inaugural forum in May, but what were some of the issues discussed at that forum? For the inaugural forum, we focused on broadband connectivity, telehealth access, data for evidence-based policymaking, workforce development, and disaster resilience, because those are all issues that are particularly important in light of COVID-19, and they're all critical to economic recovery as well. A key theme throughout the forum was the importance of giving communities the support they need so that they can choose and pursue whatever path towards economic recovery fits their individual circumstances the best. For rural communities in the West, many of which have been struck by natural disasters or are facing the loss of a major industry on top of the challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic, they're stretched really thin. They probably don't have a lot of spare time or specialized expertise to be seeking out federal grants and loans to invest in broadband or to develop a regional economic development strategy or to stand up apprenticeship partnerships with their local community college. And one thing that Governors Burgum and Brown both spoke about is the opportunity that we have in front of us right now to be ambitious and creative and close some of our geographical divides as we invest in economic recovery. So I think the Prosperity Roundtable is really about bringing that to fruition by making sure that all of our communities have the support and capacity they need to unleash their creativity and their ambition. Lauren, can you tell us a little more about the challenges of broadband connectivity in the West? Do governors make any progress toward expanding coverage this past year? Yeah. Well, as far as the challenges, the West, of course, is the largest region of our country. It's a massive area to provide coverage for. Plus, then there's rugged terrain, federal lands, and some extremely remote communities. So it's a huge challenge connecting all of that area. And Western governors have uh, been advocating for broadband connectivity for a long time, and they continued that successful advocacy this year with a particular focus on rural areas. Another issue with broadband connectivity in the West is that maps overstate the availability of broadband in rural areas, which then excludes unserved or underserved areas from getting more funding. So governors have persistently advocated for improved mapping, and this year Congress appropriated $98 million to address this issue. 
Another victory for Western governors was the creation of a $1 billion grant program, which was funded by COVID-19 relief dollars for tribal connectivity specifically. Western governors had advocated for designated funding for tribes to make sure that federal programs help close that very significant broadband gap. Western governors adopted the policy resolution utilizing state data and federal decision-making. Can you tell us about that resolution and what WJ has done to advance the policies it contains? Absolutely. That resolution recognizes the data is increasingly critical to developing and implementing good policy at all levels of government. And governors highlight that states are the sources and stewards of much of the data that supports federal decision-making. At the same time, states also rely on federal data sets to inform their own policies. It's really a two-way street. So as the federal government modernizes its data processes and infrastructure, which has been a priority over the past few years um, and in the current administration and the previous administration, states need to be consulted as partners rather than ordinary stakeholders. A good example of this was last year when the Office of Management and Budget proposed changing the way it defines metropolitan statistical areas, or MSAs. The government viewed it as a technical change, but governors immediately raised their concerns that there would be unintended consequences. For example, cities that lost their MSA status would lose access to BLS's regional labor statistics and to federal funding streams that are targeted to MSAs. The Office of Management and Budget announced that they would leave the existing definition in place in July, so it was great to see that policy in action so quickly after the governors adopted it. And we're going to continue advocating to ensure that states have access to the data that they need and that state data is incorporated into federal decision-making. We'll also be looking for ways to improve data sharing among state and federal agencies. Thanks so much for your insights, Lauren. Now I'd like to turn to Troy Timmons. Troy, the Working Lands Roundtable is WGA's other major policy platform. Can you tell us a little about the Roundtable's work in recent years and what the governors hope to achieve with the Roundtable? Sure. Uh, The Working Lands Roundtable, like the Prosperity Roundtable, is a way to aggregate Western governors' work, and in this case, the work we do on natural resource policy. It examines cross-boundary resource management challenges and looks for solutions uh, to increase the resilience of Western lands and communities. That cross-boundary focus is is key, and by cross-boundary, I mean landscapes that have multiple owners. In the West, you you have a lot of landowners. The federal government is a big one, uh, the biggest one in some states, but states own land, uh, local governments, private landowners too. It, It takes all of those owners working together to address landscape challenges like wildfire risk and and habitat and water quality and build healthy, resilient ecosystems in communities. Well, that sounds like a tall order fraught with complications. How does WGA pursue that ambitious goal? (laughs) Uh, Well, communication is key. It's an important element of uh, a foundational WGA policy resolution strengthening the state-federal relationship. If you can get people talking about the needs out there and thinking about solutions, you can have really productive conversations. One great result of state-federal consultation, for example, was when the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers rescinded its rule and its guidance requiring water users to acquire a water storage contract with the Corps before being granted access to Corps reservoirs. It was, it's also known as the surplus water rule. The Corps was effectively prohibiting water users from using their state-issued water rights if that water was stored in core reservoirs. 
and that creates a conflict with state water laws and allocation systems. The rescission of the core guidance was a solid victory for governors that preserves state authority to manage, allocate, and protect their water resources. Western governors have worked to improve the state-federal relationship on a variety of land and resource management issues. Um, WGA signed the first memorandum of understanding with the U.S. Department of Agriculture under its shared stewardship strategy. We've collaborated with the department on interagency cooperation on post-fire restoration needs, on vegetation management along utility corridors, and on invasive grasses management. Since that time, 15 western states have signed separate stewardship agreements with USDA. These avenues are great avenues for states, both individually and collectively, to work with the federal government on shared management priorities. The last thing I'll mention, when President Biden issued his executive order on climate change, Western governors realized there were a lot of ramifications for states in there. WGA has facilitated several conversations with federal agencies on the EO, on the governor's concerns with the oil and gas leasing pause, on the EO's conservation goals, and those conversations have been very productive. We hope that'll open the door to some new opportunities for increased state-federal cooperation on issues affecting Western states. You've touched on state-federal interactions, but can you also talk about the importance of bringing local governments and private landowners into these discussions? Last October, the Working Lands Roundtable hosted a virtual forum on local groups in land management, and that was hosted by our current chair, Governor Brad Little of Idaho. The forum looked at a host of local partnerships and examples of cross-boundary management that are resulting in positive change on the ground. Local governments, private landowners, and other stakeholders are key to making these efforts work. WGA also works closely with other groups, the National Association of Counties, for example, to increase awareness about the challenges facing different levels of government and other stakeholders. I might talk for a moment about WGA's chair initiative, Working Lands, Working Communities, which hits on many of these same themes. Governor Little's initiative builds on, it's a progression of much of the work WGA has conducted in our past chair initiatives. It will examine the interdependent relationships between Western communities and state and federal land resource management entities and the role that local communities play in successful planning and management processes. Uh, the initiative will bring together many of the subjects we've been discussing here, the need for cross-boundary cooperation, the importance of having community voices, uh, local governments, uh, tribes, states, and the federal government all talking to one another, and more importantly, listening to one another as we all try to address the challenges Western communities face. And what do you expect to result from all this work? Communicating is an important first step for sure, but I don't suppose the governor's efforts stop there. Uh, well, you're right about that. One of the fun things about working for governors is that they expect results. Governors are policymakers, but foremost, they are the chief executives of their states, responsible for turning good ideas into substantive action. Let's use invasive species as an example. Over the past year, WGA worked with federal agencies and states to introduce a new toolkit for invasive annual grass management in the West. That'll improve efficiencies and long-term outcomes of cooperative weed management in the West. 
Western governors also launched the Invasive Species Data Mobilization Campaign, which encourages land managers to share previously unavailable invasives data more widely, and, and it should result in better data to guide land management decision-making. WGA has also continued to use the Western Invasive Species Council. That's a governor's appointed panel of Western state invasive species experts to help states coordinate their efforts on uh, invasive species. Communication it needs to drive to results. The governor's bipartisan ethic forces us to seek constructive dialogue on issues to, to get people on the same page and thinking about solutions that work not only for themselves but for all the partners at the table. That's one place I think WGA excels. And it's, it's exciting to think about how the governor's new initiative and our other efforts will drive to positive outcomes this year. Thanks, Troy. And thanks to you for listening to this episode of Out West. If you would like to download and read the WGA 2021 Annual Report, please visit our website at westgov.org reports. While you're there, you can also download the special report on WGA's recent Electric Vehicles Roadmap Initiative. Finally, WGA would like to once again thank Lauren Danino and Troy Timmons for their dedicated work on behalf of Western Governors and for sharing their insights today regarding WGA's Western Prosperity Roundtable and Working Lands Roundtable. Happy trails, everyone. Mm-hmm.